LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and today I'm here with Chandler Van Noy. Hey, hey. And once again with Scott McConnell, who is the Executive Director of LifeWay Research. Hey, hey. And uh, I, I, I actually envy your job sometimes just because I'm a nerd and I like the data. It can be fun to nerd out once in a while. Yeah. And God we trust, everyone else must bring data. So we bring Scott. So we bring Scott. Um, you know, as a, uh, a former XP, I, I always love to say, uh, bring me data. I don't care about three emails or some hallway conversation you have. And suddenly everybody is saying X, Y, or Z. I want to make decisions that are informed by some good data. And so Scott was on uh, the last episode and we talked about the pastor's greatest need. And this work was done with over a thousand pastors were surveyed and brought into this. And, and, and guys, this is uh, this is new research. This is not, you know, from 2018. It was 2021. Um, just kind of setting the groundwork there for you. Uh, wh- what we talked about then was the pastor's greatest needs. What we want to talk about today is break out those needs to what pastors need in their quote unquote professional role. Yes, I know. Piper said, gentlemen, we are not professionals. Um, however, there are certain elements of the role we have as pastors that are part of the job. As, uh, and so, guys, uh, that's what we want to focus on today. Yep. So, Scott, just give us a brief overview. We did a whole podcast on this. So if you're listening, you want to dive deeper, go back and check out episode one that we did with Scott. But just really quickly, give us a brief overview of the pastor's survey. We asked 200 pastors a series of open-ended questions. What are your greatest needs? And those fell into seven categories. Their ministry difficulties, their spiritual needs, their mental challenges, their personal life, self-care, people dynamics, and areas of skill development. Then we went to the thousand pastors that Todd just mentioned and asked them quantitative questions. You know, others have mentioned this is a need. Is it a need for you? Hmm. Is it something you're trying to address right now? And and so from that, we actually have numbers to go with each of these needs. Forty four different needs that we measured. Whew. Wow. And just as we talked about last episode, just you said forty four needs, and not saying that other jobs don't have these these type of needs, but a pastoral role is definitely a unique responsibility that is given, and there's a lot to it. <laughs> and you're shifting just as, as you talked about, Scott. You're shifting from sermon prep to a finance meeting, to counseling, to whatever it may be. So it's context shifting often. Now, when it comes to the professional side, the actual job and the skills, can you walk us through the top concerns that kind of raise to the top from this research when it comes to the job of the pastor? It it, it turns out some of the top needs for pastors actually are uh, the ministry side. And so when they're, uh, when they're thinking about what they need to give attention to, they're often putting the church first. And, and so they're, they're, they say developing leaders and volunteers is number one. Fostering connections with unchurched people is right there, almost the same percentage. And people's apathy or lack of commitment. All three of those three-fourths of pastors are saying, that's something I need to give attention to right now. And so, you know, right there, you're seeing, uh, you know, the discipleship and the evangelism 
that that are kind of core functions of the church. So, you know, if we were to imagine if somebody did this same survey 100 years ago, 200 years ago, some of those things would still be on the list. Yeah. You know, these are part of the work of the church that a pastor is seeking to lead. Um, and so you would hope that these would be top of mind and something they want to give attention to. Yeah. And then we were talking even, I know we're focusing on the professional side, but I also do want to say this. Most pastors did also say that the seven spiritual needs were up there too. So we just want to highlight that yeah. the pastors, yes, they're feeling the, the concern for the job, but they also do feel the weight of the spiritual needs of being someone who is following Christ on their own in their own personal life. So we're not taking that out. We're just saying, hey, we're going to focus on the, the professional side of things here. In fact, we'll focus on that kind of in the next episode when we do get to what are some of those exactly. uh, specific issues that they're looking at? Yep. So when you look at these, how do the results change when you have to force rank them? And for some, you know, for me and others who may not be as familiar with how this type of research works, what does that actually mean to force rank these and, and get to these areas? So I mentioned the seven different categories. With each of those categories, we had a list and we just asked, is this something you need to work on right now? Is this a need for you right now? And and so we get some pretty high percentages. I just mentioned those top three were, were, were three-fourths of pastors indicating, I, I need to work on this now. Well, after they answer that question, any of them that they picked, we then ask a second question and said, pick one. So narrow it down to just one in this category. Um, so obviously the percentages get smaller because they can only be picking one out, out of six, seven items that, that, that may have been listed there. And so, you know, within ministry difficulties, uh, you know, we see that a quarter of pastors uh, indicated fostering connections with unchurched people is their number one thing within the ministry difficulties. And, and another quarter of pastors said developing leaders and volunteers. And right behind that is one that's, that's closely related to it is training current leaders and volunteers. And so, so we really see those two themes of, of, of reaching new people and developing the people you have, you know, are there when we ask the big question of, is it a need at all? But it's also there when we say, well, what's the one need within ministry difficulties that that is, is front burner for you? Hmm. So when you, you know, when you start to double click on some of these piece, pieces, um, do you have kind of any idea what lies beneath some of these uh, larger areas like you know, the, the, the ones that you just mentioned? Um, on some of these, uh, we've done research in the past. Others, it's uh, I, I'm ready to jump in with another study to, to find right. out more. Um, on one of these, uh, when it comes to fostering connections with unchurched people, we actually just finished an evangelism study uh, that we did with Evangelism Explosion. And it, it gives a few clues on where, where church leaders can start. Um, there, there's many, many churches that, have really kind of disconnected as they've seen old evangelism methods no longer relevant for today. Right. They've discontinued those, which is something you have to do as a leader, say no to some things. Right. But they never replaced it with something. Mm. And, and so, uh, so one of the things that the churches have sometimes got also gotten out of the habit of doing is talking about evangelism. Right. And we, we say that we value it. That, that, and so when we talk about it, that's about all we say is that we right. value it. We want people to hear. We want people to know. But to actually talk about doing it. 
And uh, w- one of the things we learned just real quickly from that this recent evangelism study was that half of Americans, 51% of Americans, are curious as to why some people are so devoted to their faith. Totally. So as a churchgoer, there are people who are curious why are you going to church on a Sunday morning? Why would you do that? Why would you you dedicate time to to follow this faith of yours? And that's true. It's actually higher. 60% of the religiously unaffiliated say that. Right. And so we have something that the people around us are actually interested in knowing about. And if you're a friend of somebody outside of the church, uh, they're even more open to it. Uh, Two-thirds of people are willing to talk about faith with a friend. Hmm. Not surprisingly, that, that, right. that number drops a little bit when it's a stranger, but still half of Americans are willing to talk about faith with a stranger. And uh, too often we, we've we've stopped encouraging each other, spurring each other on to our right. love and good deeds in, 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 when it comes to evangelism. Hmm. Uh, what's interesting to me is when, when I look at my personal life, um, whether it's friends or the guy, you know, sitting next to you on the plane. Um, I have it easy because of my job and pastors have it easy because of their job. If somebody asks you what you do, that's a stranger. (laughs) My goodness, that's a great lead in Um, with people that don't know you um, or, or do know you a little bit more. Um, even if I go back to college, I was a philosophy major or undergrad. I didn't go to a Bible college. I went to a state school. So I really, really, really stuck out um, like a sore thumb. In fact, I got all A's in uh, all my philosophy classes except for one, which was ethics. <laughs> because the professor just refused to accept that I was actually a believer, you know, and, and, and anyway, um, what I saw over the course of, uh, of the time that I was in college was people were, um, antagonistic at first, but over the course of time, when something big would happen in their life, uh, they would come around and have a conversation with me. They were more open to a conversation with me. Um, when, Joining, you know, as a a pastor, I say, hey, always join the Chamber of Commerce. Why? Those people need Jesus, too. They may look really uh, affluent and have it all together and and whatever. But you're going to meet business leaders, business owners that have no clue why you are there. Yet when they're having trouble with their marriage, their finances, whatever, you're going to be there. So inviting people into your life. Uh, before inviting them to church, I think is going to be something that we begin to see more, uh, more and more. So the attractional model is is kind of I think on its last legs. Uh, the attractional model was possible because of a cultural openness to church in general, and as that is shifting, especially even in the South, you're seeing it being more and more important that. You know, they're not just gonna, they're not just going to come. Yep. Come, it's going to be a relationship. It's going to be that 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 carries them over the line. If if faith is just institutional, you know, the newer generations are not interested. And even though institutions bring something really valuable to society, which is actual relationships with your neighbors. Yep. Um, right. But, but the newer generations don't understand that. Don't see that. Um, and so they're not interested in an institution. And so, as you mentioned, much of our evangelism today is going to need to be one-on-one. 
And yes, we need to encourage people to invite folks to church, but we also have to encourage them to let people know that part of their story is that they're a follower of Jesus Christ, and that has to be verbalized. Not to bring in a non-Lifeway research stat, but Gallup, <laughs> but Gallup I, I did see, we were, we were actually talking about uh, evangelism in our church. We're doing a habit series, and evangelism was one of them. We're having this exact conversation where there was a stat pre-2020. Um, it was right around those who would attend a uh, religious service, mosque, or church was above 50%. I think it was in 2021 or 2022 is the first time that it went below 50%. And if you actually look at this chart, it's like 70% and it just drastically falls off. And I think we're just starting to see the decline of that. So just what you guys are saying, people are not just, and what I love here is if fostering connections with unchurched people, it's not even getting unchurched people into the door. I'm just trying to figure out how to make those connections. So Todd, as you were just saying, as as pastors, this is a felt need. This is something that, man, 76% of pastors in this survey said this is a an issue. So how do we all come together and say, hey, let's, if this is a the connections piece, let's make sure we're actually being in our community where it's easier to be, as, as pastors, it's easier to just always be surrounded by Christians. Let's place ourselves in areas where we are around unchurched people so we can actually make those, those connections and lead the way for our people and, and how to do that. So that's, that's helpful. I, I do think that it brings up the, the question of intentionality. Um, you know, we haven't been the only show in town for 50 plus years. Um, so, you know, I think that's part of the reflection of what you're talking about with those Gallup statistics. And that's, you know, we want to be careful here, especially with uh, Scott on the podcast, because we can't just make our own conclusions uh, from our own opinions. However, I will say that, um, you know, when you look at that, I do think there's there, there may not be causation, but there, there could be some correlation, at least there. Um, and so, Hey, hey, two out of three people on this podcast agree. <laughs> I think that's statistically valid, right? That's statistically valid, yeah. yes. Um, but but uh, one of the things that you have in church life and I think in business life and in, in life as a whole is we have been obsessed with excellence on Sunday morning for a couple of decades. Um, and I would say the excellence conversation was lifted high in 90s and 2000s um, in Rise with the Attractional Model. And so part of what I think um, we have to shift to is an intentionality. Mm. If we're only going to get people for, you know, a small window of time, we have to be really intentional. If we want to cut through the noise of their daily lives, we have to be really, really intentional. Um, and, and so I, I, I do think that intentionality is something that we have to model, but also give them opportunity, give them training and opportunities then to, to go out and do that. So it may not necessarily be a programmatic element that we're trying to get them to bring their friends to or a programmatic training like, you know, fill in the blank evangelism class or program. It is no, this is not a programmatic element that you're bringing people to. This is a people that you're sending out. And in it's always true. It's always been true that your church is only as healthy as its average attendee. 
it's just being highlighted at a much, much higher level than it has. It's more visible to you than ever before. We know that the calling of a pastor demands community. Without it, they risk falling behind. They may even struggle with staying engaged and encouraged and can even burn out. Youth Ministry Booster is a membership-based community of over 400 caring and growing youth pastors around the country who are supported by peers, aligned to ministry vision, and focused on becoming more organized and more emotionally healthy. Youth Ministry Booster matches youth pastors into year-long mastermind cohorts based on church size and location, and they walk through 12 months of leadership development together, which equips them with practical resources to thrive in their role. So this year, support the calling and longevity of your youth pastor. Registration for Youth Ministry Booster closes September 1st. Visit youthministrybooster.com to learn more. Once again, that's youthministrybooster.com to learn more. Now, back to the podcast. Almost every church has, you know, a mission statement. And and oftentimes in their vision, they're talking about reaching new people. And yet, you know, is it actually translating into values that you're living out and that you're verbalizing within the church and and, and then people are living out in their lives. And and that's some of the hard parts of leadership is is trying to 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 build that into the culture, to build that into uh, to, to how you operate as an organization, because that is where your heart is as a pastor, as a leader. And, and to try to encourage that, we understand why, why it, it lands on, on the list so high for, for pastors. Yeah. And even as we are looking at the, the data I have pulled up, there's, there's two others below it, um, of what we've listed. And one of them is challenging people where they lack obedience. And then the next is establishing a compelling vision. Uh, those are 55% is challenging people where they lack obedience. Then 45% of pastors said establishing a compelling vision. And, and even that we're challenging people where they lack obedience. I know we're, we're really honing in on the evangelism piece, but that is, I mean, that's a huge one right there. Um, is even what Todd is saying. The average attendee in your church is the health of your church is the where the average attendee is. Part of that is challenging people where they lack obedience. You want to be a church who takes seriously the scriptures and obeys and to, to be formed by that. And even the uh, 45% of a compelling vision, there's part of me where I look at this and it's like, so we passed a little bit below 50% go, well, I can establish a compelling vision where I would love to double click mm. and go, how are you doing implementing that? What you just said, Scott, yeah. it, are people, so developing leaders, training leaders, challenging them where they lack obedience and fostering connections to me could come back to a vision issue and, and values. Hey, how, how often are you having these conversations? How, how often are you preaching your vision, your values? Do people know what you care about? You know, so that would be for me if I could double click somewhere, which Scott, maybe we could at some point. Hey, you, you said 45% pastors say, hey, we, we have a little bit of a problem establishing a compelling vision. <laughs> How can that be a little problem, Chandler? It's a <laughs> massive problem. Massive problem. So. so yeah, when that makes the list for a pastor, it's uh, I, I want to call a timeout and be like, okay, you know, like in the middle of a basketball game, it's like, okay, we got to fix this before we even play another second of this game. Yeah. If we're not pointing our flock toward, you know, toward this a common mission, 
why would anybody get on board? Why would anybody want to do the other things on these ministry difficulties list? Why would they want to be trained? Why would they want to step into to a role with some responsibilities? Where are we going and why do we want to go there? Um, and so, uh, you know, that that's obviously a crucial piece of this to, to cast that vision. I would say it comes back to one thing on both issues, and that's clarity. Mm. Because if you're saying, hey, people lack obedience, if you're saying, hey, casting a compelling vision, those two things actually go together because a lot of pastors will think that they're casting compelling vision. But pastoring, I usually say this about leadership development, but pastoring is poetry and plumbing. It is vision, compelling vision that inspires but it's also being able to deliver on the dream. And if you don't have clarity, then you're not going to get there. And it has to be, yes, clarity in the pulpit is a mist in the pew. But it, it, it's not only that clarity, but then it's also followed by a clear pathway to get there. That is intentional. Doesn't matter how excellent the program is. If the program or whatever element that you're plugging into, whatever pathway you're plugging them into isn't intentional and thought out, you're in trouble. When I look, the reason why I am at Lifeway and not in the local church is because I can look back in our history and my denomination is Baptist. I grew up going to the Baptist conventions, and I know that sometimes you would say I'm not terribly conventional, but I look back and I say, yes, people look at Baptistness and they say, you're people of missions and you're people of the book. And I would say, yeah, but we're also people of scope and sequence. And if you go back to the 50s and 60s, if you go back to what made uh, the denomination as strong as it is today, it would be the scope and sequence development. It would be when I'm, you know, five and six years old on a Sunday night, watching my dad shuffle gravel back and forth between his feet after Baptist training union and the pastor drawing him out and all of this development that went into him that was scope and sequence based that built on each other to where he was called to ministry. Um, and that like completely upset the apple cart. And, you know, uh, my life was thrown into shambles after that in a good way. <laughs> uh, but that's part of the reason why uh, I'm here today. Number one, because good and godly people in the no middle of nowhere were able to help deliver that scope and sequence. Perfectly capable of having those conversations. Didn't need a professional degree. Didn't need all that. But two, um, because I think that that has to be reinstalled in our churches. We, we can't just count on the fact that people are going to come and they're coming to Sunday morning and we're meeting their felt needs. Oh, you're a parent or you're a woman or you're in you know marriage or you need trouble with fi you're having trouble with finances. We're meeting some of those needs really well. However, we're forgetting the ultimate purpose of the church. Yes. Chandler, sorry, he's looking at me. Yes. Um, Culture eats strategy for breakfast, but it gets its appetite for purpose. And we have forgotten the purpose of the local church is one job. Sorry, I got fired up. No. no. And to clarify, 
Todd does go to church. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's not totally out of the his day job. Church is not yeah, yeah. the church. church yes. Yeah. So sorry. Even what you're talking about there, Todd, leads leads perfectly into the next question of <laughs> good. <laughs> where so many times we can feel like we are succeeding in what you were just saying, where we have programs that are full. We have a lot of people who are showing up on Sundays. But are we really accomplishing the mission? that we've set out what you're saying. So in that you, you, we were talking about, Hey, the average attendee of your church determines the health of your church. So maybe a pastor hears that and goes, okay, how in the world am I supposed to know where they're at? So what tools Scott are there for pastors to gauge the health of their congregation? Well, you know, what, one of the tools is actual, actually talking to folks about their faith. So you know, the richest way to do it is to sit down one-on-one -on -one with somebody and, and talk to them. The difficulty as a pastor or, or, or even a small group leader to do that with each person in your small group, that's a lot of time. Yeah, it doesn't scale really well. So one of the things we've developed is the discipleship pathway assessment. And that's a tool that speeds that up. It's the kinds of questions you would ask if you could sit down with somebody, just biblical questions um, about uh, different signposts uh, on the journey of walking with Christ and just asking people to honestly answer how they're doing. And, and those total up to some scores. Uh, so each of the signposts gets a score. So you can kind of say, hey, you know, this is actually one of those areas I need to work on, which in the average American church, you wouldn't be surprised that the signpost for sharing the gospel with others mm. is what usually the lowest one for, a, for an individual, for a church, um, which coincides with the burden that pastors have for that. Um, to trying to improve that. And so, you know, that's a tool that allows an individual or a church to, to go through that together and answer the question, how are we doing spiritually? Hmm. So as, as we're wrapping this up, you know, it, it, we're talking about greatest needs professionally. Maybe, maybe pastors listen and go, man, this is hitting on so many of the needs that I have. Could you share with them maybe some encouragement? So not just, Hey, these are the areas where you really need to focus on, but what, what would you, as a reminder and encouragement that you feel a pastor needs to hear today based upon the research that you guys have found? You know, as hard as these things are, and and and, and since we're, we're mentioning so many needs at the same time, it, it can feel a little overwhelming. Um, but even if we look at the top of the list for pastors, when they're talking about reaching new people and developing the people God has given their church, uh, you know how to do this. You know, Pastor, yes, you need to be understanding some of the cultural changes that have happened to, to make sure you're doing it in ways that people are hearing and understanding. Um, but you know how to do this. This is this is this is what you've learned from Scripture. You know how to do this. But it takes work and it takes intentionality and it takes time. Hmm. And so as you think about prioritizing, one of the things you've got to do is protect those top priorities of am I personally and are we as a congregation continuing to prioritize evangelism and discipleship and and, and through that, that process and pathway, those disciples become leaders of other disciples. Mm. 
Well, once again, Scott, thanks for joining us and talking through this awesome research. I know it's beneficial for, for many pastors to, to see this and just even recalibrate and say, hey, these are needs that I'm feeling or, hey, I didn't realize this was a need for me. And this really pointed out to me that I need to focus on these areas as well. So if you're enjoying this, uh, we, we hope that you are and you have not listened to the, ep- the first episode where we gave an overview of this. Make sure to go check that out. But also next week, next episode, we're going to be talking about the greatest personal concerns for pastors. So make sure to tune in for that one. Scott will be back with us and we'll see you then.